You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello, I'm John Stossel, longtime libertarian zealot, happy to moderate the Libertarian National Party's presidential debate. On Saturday, they will nominate their candidates. So tonight we get to meet the top five placing candidates among early balloting. And let's hear from them. Each will make a two-minute statement. And then I will start asking annoying questions. So the in first place, uh, is Jacob Hornberger. Democrats and Republicans have destroyed the greatest foreign policy in history, non-interventionism, with invasions, bombs, assassinations, sanctions, and coups, wreaking death and suffering on countless people and destroying our freedom. They have destroyed the greatest economic system in history, economic liberty and private charity with a socialist welfare state system led by their two massive socialist programs, Social Security and Medicare, funded through the tyranny of the income tax, $25 trillion in debt, and $150 trillion in unfunded welfare state liabilities. They've destroyed the finest monetary system in history with their Federal Reserve. They've destroyed liberty and privacy with their immoral and racially bigoted war on drugs. They have brought death and suffering in a police state with their immoral system of immigration controls. They have brought tyranny and bankruptcy with their socialist healthcare system. Worst of all, they have converted our limited government republic to a national security state with totalitarian powers. We libertarians are the only ones who can lead America out of this morass, but we can do so only by adhering to principle. The minute we accept any of their immoral programs for the sake of practicality, we lose the moral high ground. How does an LP presidential candidate who supports Social Security and Medicare, the crown jewels of American socialism, challenge these people, Democrats and Republicans, on their socialism? How does an LP presidential candidate who supports the CIA, the most evil agency in U.S. history, and the massive military industrial complex challenge the existence of the national security state? We are the party of principle. I say, let's run a bold campaign, a campaign of principle for the party of principle. Let's lead America and the world to liberty, peace, prosperity, health, and harmony. Thank you, Jacob. I just want to be clear. You're, you're saying you do not support the CIA or Social Security. 
Absolutely not. These are welfare state, warfare state programs that are have destroyed our freedom. You can't be free when you have these socialist and imperialist type programs, John. Okay, and we should I should make it clear you are a lawyer and president of the Future of Freedom Foundation. And next up in second place in the balloting so far, Joe Jorgensen, who's a senior lecturer in psychology at Clemson University. Good evening, delegates, viewers, my fellow candidates, and John Stossel. Thanks so much for moderating this debate. I'm Dr. Joe Jorgensen, and I'm running for president because government is too big, too bossy, too nosy, and way too intrusive. And worst of all, it hurts those it tries to help. I'm a mother and a grandmother. I'm an entrepreneur, and I have been a, a small business owner. I have a PhD in industrial organizational psychology from Clemson and an MBA from SMU. I was invited to join the faculty at Clemson, where I now teach psychology. I cast my first presidential vote ever for libertarian Ed Clark and had the honor to serve as the vice presidential running mate for the late, great Harry Brown in 1996. Despite the best efforts of recent occupants of the White House, the president is not our king. He or she does not rule by decree, at least not yet. The president cannot unilaterally implement many of the policies we advocate, but there are things a president can do using her authority under the Constitution and the bully pulpit of the presidency. She can bring the troops home. She can use her pardon power to free people convicted of unjust laws. She can submit a balanced budget to Congress without raising taxes and veto spending bills. She can work with Congress to establish a true free market in healthcare. It's not enough for the libertarian candidate for president to be better than Trump or Biden. Our nominee must be deeply principled with a long-term commitment to our party be able to communicate libertarian ideas in a way that non-libertarians not only will understand, but will flock to our party. I am that candidate. I ask you for your vote for the libertarian nomination for president. Thank you. Joe Jorgensen, thank you. Next, John Mons, uh, a stay-at-home dad and homeschool teacher in Georgia. Absolutely. I'm John Mons, and I like to be the LP nominee for president of the United States. I'm a native of Detroit, Michigan, and I finished high school down in Gonzales, Florida, attended college at Morehouse in Atlanta, where I got a degree in banking and finance. After working uh, years in industry, my family and I moved down to South Georgia, where I became a stay-at-home dad and homeschool parent. I've been doing that for the last 20 years. It's been the hardest and most rewarding job I've ever had. Two of my students are college graduates. One is a college senior and one's still at home. I found the LP around 2004, the Libertarian Party. And what attracted me to the party was its platform, which talked about freedom, individual rights, and having people sovereign over their own bodies and they're making their own decisions about what they want to do with their lives. I've been very active in the party since then and was the first African-American candidate to be on the ballot for governor in the state of Georgia. My inspiration for running is my great, great grandparents, Columbus and Morning Ferguson, who were actually enslaved 
in Georgia. I don't want to return to an era like that, not just for one segment of the population, but for everybody. I'd like to present a message to you and a message to all Americans that is clear. Freedom is our best option. Government is not the answer, no matter what the question is. And I look forward to sharing with you a little bit more of my vision tonight and after the nomination on the campaign trail. I'll be talking about bringing all the troops home from their foreign destination, all the drones home, and making a clear case of why that's important. We'll also talk about ending the federal income tax, getting rid of the IRS. Yes, it's a bold, radical ideal, freedom is, but somebody's gotta say it and I'd like it to be me. With your help, with your votes on Saturday, Let's move forward on making us all freer like we should, should be. Thank you. Thank you, John Mons. Uh, it's refreshing to hear people say government is not the answer, especially at this time in crisis where most everybody says it is the answer and both big parties want much more. Next is Jim Gray, a former California judge um go ahead jim well john thank you it's nice to see you again i'm going to be really direct i made a mistake and some people are upset with regard to one comment that i made during the campaign with regard to jury nullification look i want to be clear judge jim gray i have always favored jury nullification it is a basic protection that we all have to from overzealous prosecution from overreaching by prosecutors the juries have a right to find people not guilty for good reason, for bad reason, for no reason at all. I support that. I, I own it. I'm, I'm transparent with regard to that. It's on my website. So please feel free and look at that. Also, some people don't seem to like my tax program. Well, it's called a, from a crutch to a ladder, and it really will help. Do we want to abolish the IRS? For heaven's sake, yes. This will, however, with the understanding that the IRS income tax is gonna be with us, particularly with this coronavirus that we've been talking about. So it's not gonna be gone soon. This will be able, however, to be a program that provides incentives for people to climb out of poverty. That's a good thing, which those incentives are not present today. It will radically change the welfare system. It will do away with 70, 80% of the intrusion by the IRS, by the, the degradation, by the the bureaucracy and the rest. So we are going to reduce that government overreaching. It makes things better. I was in the Peace Corps, I care about people, I want things to get better. So other candidates basically are all or nothing. And you know full well, when you go for all or nothing, almost always you get nothing. We are going to instead act like a football coach. Football coaches everywhere will tell you, most of the teams that win the game get most first downs, move the ball down the field, that's what we will do. So you're going to either win the game or get purity points. You're going to have plans or you're going to have talk or you're going to, in effect, get first down or pass Hail Marys. It's your choice. We will least stand there and we will win the game. Jim, Jim, let me just ask for a clarification amidst the football metaphors. Um, I'm not sure why people were upset about you on jury nullification, but if I went to the courthouse and I passed out flyers to everyone saying, 
jury members, you should know you have the right to tell the judge to go to hell and vote any way you want. Would that be my right? No, you have the right, John. You can get on your television show. You can file an op-ed piece. You can petition. You can do it, but not in my backyard, not on the courthouse property. That's just the distinction where there have to be some limits to First Amendment. I don't want jury tampering. I want justice. I want to bring justice to all of our people instead of having people attack the jurors uh, when they go into the jury room. So that's a difference. I understand life is complicated, but that's the answer. And you ask almost any judge, I've been in the system as a judge for 25 years, ask almost any judge, that's what they will tell you, we want justice. Okay, Judge Jim Gray, next, Vermin Supreme. So I have to ask you, what's with the stupid name? You're making a mockery of serious libertarian candidates. Well, let me say, sir, I disagree with that assessment. Uh, of course, I've been using the moniker uh, Vermin Supreme for over 30 years. It's uh, granted, I did use a, it was a, my original campaign was a spoof. Now, this doesn't count as my opening remarks, does it? This was a question. Fine. I'm a little, I'm a little. It does not. Just answer the question, then you get your opening remarks. Thank you. Um, Yes, of course, uh, my name is Vermin Supreme. I'm a friendly fascist attire that you can trust, and you should let me run your life. I do know what is best for you. That was indeed the satirical uh, take that uh, was gave the context of my name, but uh, using this name has allowed me to uh, develop uh, a character and a universe of uh, iconography that people really enjoy, and uh, that is what I'm uh, bringing to the LP. That That is indeed uh, part of my offer. I will uh, segue into uh, my opening remarks. Yes, my name is Vermin Supreme. Yes, I am a man. And, and I just, I want to add that I understand you have brought more people into the party than just about anybody else. So um, congratulations yeah. to you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. That, that's, uh, our, this campaign has been very successful, uh, more successful than I ever anticipated. Uh, once again, I am a meme. However, I am also a, libert a lifetime Libertarian Party member, and I am seeking the Libertarian Party nomination. I am also a highly respected, internationally recognized political satirist, activist, and performer. For over 30 years, I have been using humor and satire as a successful anti-authoritarian communication strategy to both mock and delegitimize the duopoly. Yes, I do sometimes wear a boot on my head, but the magic of the boot is it has allowed me to amplify my free speech exponentially, communicate with an audience of tens of millions around the globe from across the political spectrum, and earn free media around the flat earth. This method, to my madness, has given me a level of notoriety and reach that allows me to make this legitimate and credible offer of my services to the LP. Can a serious party risk putting up a perceived joke candidate? I say yes. It's all in the framing. It owning the joke. We must own the joke 100%. Hashtag, we are in on the joke. We are a serious party with serious goals and a platform for America. However, and this is the pivot, the duopoly presidential election spectacle has risen to the level of a joke and with love and with spite and my running mate spike here is vermin supreme i bring both gravitas and levity to this election there are 3.9 million high school students that graduate in any given year 
Give me two of those years. That's 8 million kids. Add that to the 17 million college kids. That is a pool of 25 million potential voters. If I can get one out of four of those kids to vote for me, well, that is 6.5 million people, a.k.a. 5%. Now, there is an endless list of uh, subcultures in America, from Comic-Con nerds to roller derby girls to cam girls to cosplayers, kinky sex nerds, crypto nerds, political nerds, Robert's Rule of Order nerds, and many more. And I plan to unite all these factions because they are not factions, they are subcultures, and they are under the umbrella of nerd culture, and they have a natural affinity for my candidacy. There are millions, tens of millions of disillusioned, disaffected, disenfranchised voters that I believe that I can bring into this party using this uh, humor and satire style of campaigning. Can we use humor as a weapon against the duopoly? I believe we can. Can we use satire as a tool for outreach and education and recruitment? I believe that we most certainly can. If you have any question as to my bona fides as an activist uh, in, against the state and authority for the past 30 years, please watch the documentary, Who is Vermin Supreme? It is available on Vimeo. I would like you to take a look at verminsupreme2020.com, my campaign website, and check out inonthejoke.net, which is my uh, policy uh, page. Also, Disrupt the Vote uh, is a page dedicated to helping down uh, ticket candidates. And uh, so I, I thank you very much for your consideration. Okay, so we've heard things from abolishing the IRS uh, to kinky sex, which makes libertarians seem as weird as we seem to many people. And you talk about the duopoly, but the Republicans and Democrats, but in fact, the libertarian belief in limited government is basically what the founders believed and what was the reigning form of American government for our first hundred years. It's not that odd, but how does it apply to today's problems? So Jacob, let's start with you on COVID, the story of the day. What would you have done? Well, John, I think it's more important to think in terms of how do we build a foundation for the future? Uh, that, that you've got a dysfunctional healthcare system. I've said that for 30 years. You've got Medicare and Medicaid that destroyed the finest healthcare system in history, one where prices were low and stable. Doctors gave free medical care to the poor. You've got a centrally planned system, which is a socialist construct. You can't make this system work. There's no point in trying to get a libertarian in office to make it work. It's inherently defective. What we need to do as libertarians and what I'd love to do in this campaign is raise people's vision to a higher level, to move to a new paradigm, a paradigm based on liberty and free markets where you people. All right, this is abstract. Wait a second. The COVID just happens. You're the president. People are panicking. People are dying. What would you do? That's what I'm saying, John. You've got a defective system. You, you want to get government out of this system. You want to get the Centers for Disease Control abolished. You want to get the FDA abolished. You want to stop them from doing anything. You want the health care. How would that help with COVID? Because the dynamism of a free market produces health care tests, masks, ventilators. This is the dynamism of a free market. You wouldn't have these shortages. You have people that were willing to help other people, like in England, where they call for 250,000 volunteers for young people, 750,000 uh, volunteered. 
What we need to do is recapture a faith in ourselves, a faith in freedom, a faith in free markets, rather than trying to figure out how to make this socialism work. We've got to build the foundation for a better world in this country, rather than trying to make this dysfunctional system work more efficiently, because it can't. It's inherently defective. John, let me turn to you. You said you would abolish the IRS, but the country does have needs for defense, for example, pollution control, I would say. How would you pay for things like that? Well, the country survived for 150 plus years without an income tax. We don't, you don't look for government to the answers to these questions. You, you looked in power individuals. So it's not about uh, you know, funding the government. It's about getting government out of your life. First of all, I, I don't trust government. And, and there's been a, a long record of government, government being incompetent, being unjust, uh, you know, playing. No, argument from, and, no and argument from it here. But if, if Russia were to attack us, or if my neighbor is polluting my yard, it seems like that's something for government to handle. No? How, well, how else would it be? Well, two things. You look at the, the legal system. A lot of cases and or, or issues between parties are settled with arbitration, for example, binding arbitration. You, you take your case uh, you know, to an arbiter. It doesn't have to be a government system that does that. When you look at defense, why would Russia uh, attack us when in the global economy, for example, if we're friends with everybody, treating everybody neutrally, uh, what would be their rationale? You know, that's why it's better uh, to have free trade, free markets, and do business with Russia and China and all the countries around the world and get out of these places by bringing the troops home. And let's talk about diplomacy instead of always using troops. We have uh, you know, National Guard. Does it have to be a federal army? You know, could we bring back or expand upon the National Guard? So we don't have to have federal level programs to exist. We can get rid of the federal income tax. And the argument is this. It's a slave tax. There's no provision in the 16th Amendment that limits how much the government can take from each and every one of us. So if, if that's the case, uh, you know, why should that even exist in a free country? We don't need it. We can get rid of it. Getting rid of the income tax and the IRS are issues that, that are popular with the people. Joe Jorgensen, what would you do in this time of panic over COVID? Did, has any governor done the right thing? Did the president do something right? What did he do right or wrong? What would you do? No, I don't think anybody's done anything right. I just want to mention that we've had an assault on our liberty that we haven't seen in our lifetime, both in our personal freedom, being able to leave the house and also with the economy. So the first thing President Trump should have done is, um, well, let me back up a bit. The FDA right now, as since 1962, has to prove, uh, companies have to prove efficacy and safety. Before 1962, they only had to uh, show safety, that their drugs were safe. So what happened was we had about 
60 American companies that were making testing kits and the FDA only approved two of them. So what the president should have done was had an emergency powers act and said, okay, for the FDA, you only have to prove safety. You don't have to prove efficacy. We need to get these kits out there. And anybody with a kit could just sell it? Any, well, first of all, we need the free market to uh, weed out who's good and who's bad. You know, before 1962, drugs that were put out on the market were typically gone within a few months because they didn't work and people saw through it right away. If you are a large drug company and then you don't want to put out either a testing kit or a drug that doesn't work because you'll go bankrupt. And that's what should happen. If you don't give people the best quality, the best quantity, then you should go bankrupt. Now, I admit right now we have have a problem with the federal bailouts in that somebody could put out a testing kit that didn't work. But if I were president, I would let the company go in under. If you put out a drug or a testing kit that doesn't work, you don't deserve to be in business. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Judge Gray, um, at what point would you say that a contagion is so threatening to other people that authorities should order people to stay home? John, first of all, I really appreciate your questions and your follow-up questions, and good for you. Look, we've done it wrong from the outset. Yes, the federal government failed to plan, and then the governors and the mayors acted politically, and they are going to protect themselves. I'm going to do everything I can to keep you healthy including take away tens of millions of jobs, to take away hundreds of thousands of businesses, get government out of it. It cannot centrally plan. Instead, the answer to your question is, yes, we get information out. You use government as a clearinghouse to provide information, even advice, recommend that you wear a mask, that sort of thing. And then you allow the people, the customers, to decide where they're going to do business and you allow the companies, for example, if I have a gray hardware store, I'm going to advertise, no one comes into my hardware store without a mask, we're going to have social distancing, we're going to take care of our employees and our customers. In fact, I'm going to even take your temperature before you come in so that we, if anybody at 99.9 or, or above is not welcome to enter. Look, if I'm healthy, I will take my choices. If, I have, if I'm 80 years old with pneumonia, I'm not going in. But the government instead took my hardware store, it's non-essential and closed it. So people, my customers go to a box store, they go to Home Depot, they go to Costco, that sort of thing, which is probably more dangerous. So you allow the people, the customers to make those decisions. The free enterprise system makes decisions all the time. You make a bad decision, you start losing. Somebody makes a good decision, they thrive. So the ones that make the bad decision start going over to the ones that do. That's the way you address this. This is important, it is serious, it certainly can be threatening, but you don't close down. You don't order people to stay home. No, you don't. You do not lock people up, that's a mistake. And Vermin Supreme, similar question. Is there any point in some contagion, maybe something more contagious this, than this, where the government 
would be right to use coercion and tell people, you must not go out. We will arrest you if you do. Well, first of all, let it be known that if I were president, I would make COVID against the law. And if you were found in possession of COVID, you would be dealt with uh, harshly. I would also create COVID-free zones because they always work so good with uh, drugs and guns and stuff. But uh, let me say that the uh, this particular crisis is truly a test of uh, the libertarian principles of personal responsibility. And it is responsible to protect the community by hand washing, mask wearing, and self-quarantining as needed or necessary. Now, the government may be great at enforcement and in coming up to married couples and tell them to get apart or whatever. But when it comes to being prepared and willing and able to respond, they, they sort of suck. I mean, it, it, was, it was a government fail. And uh, needless to say, a libertarian administration would be paying a lot more attention to preparedness and have willingness to take action based on science and intelligence and act in a timely fashion without the denial and conspiracy mongering. Um, you know, never let a good crisis go to waste. Uh, the state will continue to consolidate and exercise its power anytime it can. And uh, I, I fully believe that uh, mutual aid and volunteerism and charity, these are the things that are getting us through this crisis. It, it's not the feds knocking on my door telling me one thing or another. No, it's neighbors and friends checking up on us to make sure that we're okay. Um so, what about taking care of the poor, moving on to the welfare state for a minute? Is charity sufficient to replace the welfare state? Do we need no government help for the helpless? Well, once again, I think the, the thing to keep in mind is the uh, poverty reduction uh, programs run by the uh, government are generally inefficient. I, I think about like 30% of the uh, uh, money going out is is not, is not going out because it's administrative uh, functions, and uh, so yes, I, I believe you would that, abolish uh, them, keep them. Pardon? You would abolish? Would I would, them? I, would I abolish the bureaucrats? Um, well, the with, government with, welfare program. Uh, government welfare programs. Well, I I'm I'm I would prioritize it. Quite frankly, I, I believe that the corporate welfare programs. Uh, should be slashed uh, heavily. I don't. I don't believe that uh, subsidies for various uh, exploration of fossil fuels need need to be uh, taken away. And uh, once we level the playing field by removing all the uh, governmental subsidies to the corporations, and once we uh, start dismantling the foreign wars and start bringing the troops home uh, as much as as much as as feasible, uh, I think that will free up a whole lot of uh, budget. I guess you will. And uh, so the, the priority of, of caring for the people is a, a little uh, higher than some of the caring for some of the other functions. Uh, but ultimately, I do believe in uh, mutual aid. I do believe in charity. And I do believe in volunteerism. And I do believe in building stronger families and stronger communities and lessening the need for government. Um, there, there Jacob, was a time let, me, let me take a similar question to you. The one hit on libertarians is that we're cruel and selfish and we would let poor people suffer. What would you do? I've heard this all my libertarian life, and I, I grew up as a Democrat and a liberal. It's absolute nonsense. John, if there was a button right here that if I pushed it, it would abolish every single welfare state program immediately, I wouldn't hesitate. Why? Because I want to be free. And freedom necessarily means the end of the entire welfare state, coercive charity. There's no reason why people need to be forced to be good and caring. You don't need Social Security and Medicare. 
You can count on children to honor mother and father on a voluntary basis. This country had for a hundred years, no income tax, no IRS, no welfare state. Then it got converted to a welfare state. And that is one of the two biggest destructions of our liberty. We have to convey confidence. If libertarians are not confident that liberty works, how do we expect our fellow Americans to come to our philosophy? We have to go out to the American people and make the case, we believe in you. You have to start believing in yourselves. You have to start believing in others, in private charity and free will. And once they get to that point, John, you're going to see the support for this coercive apparatus that has destroyed our freedom disintegrate. Some children would not take care of their elders and some people would fall through the cracks. You're saying charity would take care of the elderly, the helpless, the mentally disabled. We don't need government. Immediately. In the, for those cases where children said no, which is a perfect outcome of liberty in terms of choice, that's what freedom is, the right to choose wrongly or, or correctly. Private charity immediately steps into, the, into, the, into that void. Charities, uh, neighborhoods, church groups, voluntary organizations that are funded by charity. That's what we need to restore in this country. And in, in, in the early part of America, first 150 years, that's how the museums got built, the hospitals, the, uh, the, the charitable organizations, the, the museums. I grew up in the poorest city in the United States, John, Laredo, Texas. Every day, doctor's offices were filled with, with poor people, some from Nuevo Laredo, before Medicare and Medicaid. Never did one doctor turn away any patient for inability to pay. They handled them on a free basis. This is what I want to restore in America, the, the whole idea of voluntary charity and freedom of choice. And restore is certainly the word and that a lot of these mutual aid societies vanished when the government welfare state came and they said, I guess we're not needed anymore. Um, Joe, what what parts of the federal government would you keep, if any? Well, that's a good question. I think most libertarians would agree that police, courts, and military would be a good place to start. Would you mind if I expanded on the charity question? Go for it. Okay, because I am a scientist. I need to see hard data, and I think American voters need to see hard data too. I don't think we can just give them glib answers of liberty and freedom. I think they need to actually see it to believe it. So the first thing I would point out is that the war that... Poverty was going down in the United States in the beginning of the 1900s until we got to the war on poverty. And then we put the war on poverty into place. And once again, government does not do a good job and it slows it down. And a lot of people are critical and they say, well, but it, it kept going down. Well, that's because the programs weren't implemented for years. And I really like to explain uh you know, as you know, I'm a teacher and I like to explain concepts through stories and examples. And one of my favorite charity examples is that of the United Way in the early 90s. So in the early 90s, uh, there was a big scandal because the president of the United Way spent something like $400,000 on artwork. And by the way, that'd be closer to a million dollars now. So what happened? 
donors stopped donating. They said, we don't want the money to go to your artwork. We want it to go to poor people who need help. So donations went down. So United Way had to clean up their act to continue to get donations. Now, if you look at the federal government, if you give money to the federal government to help people and they do a lousy job, what do they do? They just raise taxes. There's there's nothing there. They're not held accountable. So that's why the private market works best. And I agree that there aren't enough uh, charities out there right now. We can't just cut off the spigot like that. And speaking of the spigot, John, let me ask you. There are people now who say, I need my $800 a week unemployment check and my stimulus payment. Okay, the camera went to Jim Gray, so let's ask him. Oh, okay, look. Our program, A Crutch to a Ladder, is going to temporarily step, this is temporary step to ending welfare. I mean, that's what it is. It will. We will get a 50% reduction in welfare in the first term, but we also are not going to turn our back. I'm sorry, what, what is a crutch to a ladder? I don't understand. Okay. Well, that is a system in which it's Milton Friedman. He called it a negative income tax, and I would combine that with a, a graduated flat tax. But that would provide a basis below which people would not go, but they'd always have an incentive, John. That's the critical important. Always have an incentive to improve yourself, to, to earn the extra dollar. But we're not going to, I was in the Peace Corps again, I care about people, we're not going to allow that to happen. However, we also have government restrictions, for example, that are keeping people from feeding the homeless. Government just intrudes so much. Get this out of here. In fact, look, at, I, I don't have enough time to answer these. Go to our website, graysharp2020.com. We will audit these, these various organizations and government. We will reduce them, and then we will eliminate them over time, showing people the libertarian way, and they will start saying, too, wow, I'm a libertarian also. We did it 50%. Let's do it 70%. Let's do it 80%. let us do it completely. But we've got to empower the community along the way while we reduce that tyrannical government. That's critically important. And John, a uh, question for you. People are now feel dependent on their stimulus $1,200 or their $800 unemployment check. How does a libertarian presidential candidate say, no, I'm not going to give you that, but elect me? Well, the first thing I would ask him is, would you sell your freedom so cheaply? You know, is your freedom worth $1,200? I'm, I'm just getting a check. Right. Excuse, you say it's, it's, it's free. I'm st I say the person says in response to that, I'm still free. I'm just getting help from my well, kindly government. Well, really, if, if they're so free, how can a government decide to, to put them under house arrest uh, and, and quarantines and, and take over their jobs and their businesses? You know, the, the case is that they're not free. People think they're free. They have an illusion of freedom. But that's what we have to attack. And why are they, why do we have poor people? Government. Government is not the solution. What is government has been fighting poverty for what 50 plus years? And we have just as much poverty today as we did when they started fighting it, except for the fact that they spent trillions and trillions of dollars. That's why we talk about when you're free, you get to keep all your money from your paycheck and decide what do you want to do with it. Also, when you look at uh, the, federal, the Federal Reserve, which is a banking cartel, 
They have literally destroyed the value of the dollar. That's another thing that makes us poor. So we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve. You know, you can take a silver dollar today, real money, and buy over 10, 10 gallons of gas here in Georgia. You take one of those Federal Reserve notes, you can't even get a half tank. So there's talk about, well, we need to raise the minimum wage and, and 10, 15, uh, $20 an hour. What does that do? It makes more poverty. It, it's economic science that says that hurts the people in the bottom rung. It hurts African-American people. You know, we need to return to sound money. We need to get government out of uh, the marketplace so we can have businesses being able to hire who they want to hire, pay them wages with sound money that will go a long way versus uh, Federal Reserve notes from a banking cartel. That's the case we have to make to the American public. And, and I think it's an easy one. And Vermin, John mentioned the minimum wage. Here's a quote from Joe Biden. A $15 an hour minimum wage is long overdue, but just the start. Even Republicans support a higher minimum wage. How do you answer them? It just sounds just to people. Well, ultimately it does, but it's like uh, it is uh, one of the many things that is uh, put forth, uh, especially by the government, uh, uh, minimum wages. Uh, they have the unintended consequences of uh, causing inflation. For, for every dollar that uh, that you might get a raise, you're going to be spending that uh, on uh, on your increased rent or, or food. Um, I believe that ultimately um, employers and employees uh, can certainly negotiate uh, – uh, their wages and, and uh, the power of the uh, labor market uh, should be able to uh, demand the wages that uh, they require in order to live properly. Should be, but they say it isn't. It's not a living wage. How can people live on six bucks an hour? I don't, that's uh, very difficult. I suppose very frugally, of course. I mean, I, I believe that uh, we all want to see all Americans uh, be prosperous. I believe, of course, uh, there are many things, uh, many, many taxes. Well, let's just like take the taxes uh, off the top. Um, you know, one third of people's income is going directly to the government to uh, uh, maybe come back to them in some uh, stimulus package down the line. But ultimately, uh, libertarians believe that if we were able to uh, hold on to all that money, uh, that that is a big, big raise right there. In fact, of course, if uh, if the property taxes uh, were not such a agrarious, that could uh, lower rents. It would uh, cause people to uh, be able to afford their mortgages more readily. Um, so, so there are solutions, uh, and they are uh, basically financial solutions. Uh, we definitely want to make things uh, more affordable. We want uh, Americans to be more prosperous in their daily lives. Shifting abruptly to climate change, Jacob. Uh, a lot of very serious scientists are very worried. What should the federal government do, if anything? Well, let me ask, answer that question, but let me defer it for a minute because I'm kind of troubled with your exchange with Dr. Jorgensen. You asked her, what is the role of government? What should it be doing? And she gave the answer short shrift and immediately moved to charity. Uh, Vermin Supreme asked her the same question in the and a previous debate said, what is your ideal form of government? And she said, I refuse to answer that question. It's my understanding throughout this campaign. Well, she said courts and police. And oh, but she supports defense. more than that. She supports the welfare state through Social Security and Medicare. She's never called for the dismantling of the national security state. 
the massive military industrial complex, the CIA. So she obviously does not feel comfortable addressing what should be the ideal form of government. Now on climate change, um, my belief- well, let's, let's, well, let's hold off since we'll come okay. back to climate change. Joe, please respond to that. Uh, which of the many, uh, which of the many uh, uh, accusations- You wanna keep social security? I, and the welfare state? My plan for Social Security is to have an immediate opt-out on day one. Now, of course, you need Congress to help. But on the, if, if I had a magic wand, on the first day in office, nobody would ever put another dime into Social Security again. But here's the problem. We've got 12 million people who are who are dependent solely on social security. And I agree with you, we'll agree with your question. What about the people who don't have kids? So what I would do is um, we all know that their social security was not put into the lockbox that we were promised. It was spent on government assets and, and other things with the government. So what I would do is I would sell those government assets, uh, things like mineral rights, water rights, um, buildings downtown, and I would take that money and I would fund the people who are in the 50s, 60s, 70s, who were forced literally at the point of a gun to put their money into the inefficient uh, uh, Ponzi scheme put, put up by the government, and I would give them their money back that they put in. You know, if- What about if, the national security state? Do you support that as he accuses you of? Well, Again, police, courts, and military, absolutely I'm for military. Do I think that we need some type of intelligence within the military? Absolutely. Absolutely we need somebody um, going to other countries and looking around. I don't want to just have one of our submarines blasted out of the water without us knowing it. If we had good intelligence, we would find out about the virus ahead of time about Wuhan. But the thing is, is the CIA is, you know, with all the black ops and all the assassinations, and I don't think the CIA can be reformed. And I thought I was pretty clear when I said, I want the intelligence function of the CIA to be rolled into the military. I don't want the, the CIA itself. It is way past, um, you know, it, it, it just can't, it, it can't be rehabilitated. But I don't understand how you can have a country and a military without some kind of intelligence. And Jacob, what about that? Well, what we're talking about is a massive military industrial complex, which is what President Eisenhower referred to it as. He said, this is a grave threat to our democratic processes and our liberties. I want to dismantle this whole system and restore a limited government republic with a basic fundamental military force. That's a free society. That was our founding system in this country. And Would and, there be spies? Would there be any CIA-like thing? Absolutely no CIA at all. This is the most evil organization in U.S. history, MKUltra, state-sponsored assassinations, hiring Nazis. Same with the NSA. You have a basic military force that is, whose only mission is to defend the United States. You don't need a massive spy network to protect us from really a virtually non-existent possibility that some foreign nation state is going to cross the oceans and successfully invade the United States. Nobody's got that military capability. Nobody's got the money. Nobody's even got the interest. Judge Gray, climate change. Yeah. What would you do? 
if you still remembered I was here, but I, I am still. You know, look, in the first place, we have to end this partisan gridlock that's around climate change. You know, basically the direct result of that, John, is that it results in countless millions of dollars being directed into the politicians' campaign funds. Get the government out of the way, the private sector, the, the individuals put science to work, let the people save our client and climate, here I mean, and you know that customers will care. And if you advertise that you are safer, that you are bringing climate change and, and addressing these things, customers will, will buy your products too. So we need to join, of course, in international climate controls, regard, create some federal repository of like vetted environmental science and celebrate our private organizations that work to protect the environment. It's on our webpage, again, graysharp2020.com. Those three steps are there. If what other, are international climate controls? You know, we need international cooperation. Uh, we need to point the finger at, for example, China and India that are right now building still these, these coal-powered electronic plants. Uh, if you do that and show the world that they are doing this, people will stop buying Chinese products. We need to magnify that. We need to put that information out there and then China will stop doing that because they're going to lose business. That really is a powerful tool that's not even being explored. I, John, a question for you. FDR once proposed another Bill of Rights, and I think most Americans would probably grab at it. He said, Americans should have the right to a useful and remunerative job and the right of every family to a decent home. That appeals to people. What do you say to that? It shouldn't come from government. If they have, and, and the, if the government respected individual rights, got out of the marketplace and let uh, businesses contract and hire who they wanted to, let people work as hard as they wanted to to earn these things, they would have it uh, naturally. And that's what we, the question here is what the role of government is. The role of government sh should be the minimum role is to protect individual rights period. That's the American ideal. Very limited government. So FDR might be popular. A lot of socialism has become popular, but it's destroyed the, this country. It's destroyed uh, the ability for people to go out and get the American dream. Like I mentioned earlier, destroyed the dollar. It used to be a one-parent household, somebody with a, a high school the uh, uh, diploma could earn a living, raise a family, buy a house, a car, a dog, and everything else. But we have a private banking cartel that ruined the dollar. We we have a government that wants to set wages. There should be no minimum wage. Period. Those who want to work and those who want to hire should have their own contract on what they're willing to pay. And with sound money, they could be making five dollars an hour but with sound money that would translate in into being able to have a decent prosperous living so that that's that's what we're talking about and i, I appreciate you finally getting back to me i was getting kind of lonely over here uh with the questions you guys are complaining but we're keeping track of the time and and he, neither of you got what, what's the total Joe, Joe is behind, if anybody. Really? But okay. Herman, it's your turn. Um, <laughs> President Obama said, if you're successful, somebody along the line gave you help, invested in roads and bridges. If you've got a business, 
You didn't build that. How do you answer that? Well, ultimately, um, we all make our own reality and we all, all, all uh, build our own worlds and our own visions. Um, yes, of course, uh, we often need help. And uh, I believe that uh, the help is available to, to those who need it or want it. Um, so, yes, of course, nobody has built anything by themselves. Uh, they have all of humanity and all of history behind them as they proceed forward. Um, and of course, people are always willing and able to to seek help. I mean, help needs to be there. I mean, nobody builds anything by themselves. They, they build it uh, with the other people who are working on that with them. They, they are working on it with their investors. They're working on it with their employees. They're working on it with uh, with their strategists. And so, yeah. I mean, did you did you build it personally? No, but was it an effort that uh, that bore fruition uh, with a whole lot of work and a lot of sweat and, and a lot of people involved? Yes. So yes and no, I suppose. Thank you. Joe, uh, immigration, what would your policy be? President Trump says, build the wall. My policy is that of the Libertarian Party. In fact, my uh, campaign is straight down the platform, plank by plank. So I would open up the borders. And I realize that there's a lot of misinformation out there. What will happen is the media will get a hold of, let's say, one immigrant who has a DUI or has killed somebody. And then they'll say, well, that should be the case for everybody. If you look at the statistics, and again, I'm a scientist, I go by data. If you look at the statistics, People born on American soil actually commit more crimes than people born on foreign soil after they're in our country. And also, if you look at the people who are admitted to the country, it actually helps our economy. It doesn't hurt it. Uh, it, it actually makes the economy more vibrant. And it's just really nice to blend in uh, different cultures. Oh, and one last thing. I am the grandchild of three immigrants. All true what you said about immigration, but today some people want to come here to freeload and some people want to come here to murder us. So don't we need border controls? Well, first of all, as far as the freeloading, a lot of people don't realize that we already have safeguards on some of our programs, that they're not allowed to access several programs for five years. And as far as murdering us, I... I mean, if the, the chances of, of being hurt by a terrorist are like worse than being uh, hit by lightning. So, and as far as the average person, I'm not sure that, well, like I just said, uh, crime is actually lower for people born on foreign soil than for people born on American soil. So when somebody says people want to cross the border to murder us, that just doesn't hold water. Um, Jacob, you seem to want to fight with Joe. Do you want to quarrel with her on what she said? Uh, somewhat. Uh, we, we had the finest immigration system in history in this country for more than 100 years, like other sound good policies. It was a system of open immigration. It was a sanctuary for people leaving countries with tyranny and oppression. And now today we have this socialist centrally planned system with, with a police state. I grew up in this, John. I, I grew up in Laredo, Texas on the border. Uh, my farm that I grew up on was on the Rio Grande. We hired illegal immigrants, hardest working people I've ever seen. I've been stopped by the border patrol with their little roving checkpoints. I've gone through these highway checkpoints 
They, they came into our farm with warrantless uh, uh, searches, busted our workers. I mean, this is a tyrannical system. It is a police state that comes with a socialist system. I say, let's restore America's founding system, a moral system, a religious system, an ethical system by dismantling the entire immigration control system and restore a system not only of open immigration, but free trade, unilateral free trade, the free movements of goods, people and services across borders. So how would you explain free trade to people? President Trump says, uh, because of our trade deficit, we're losing $800 billion a year. Explain why he's wrong. It, it is amazing to me that, that we still deal with these kind of economic myths some 200 and something years after the publication of Adam Smith's Wealth of Nations. I mean, look what he's done, President Trump, with his trade war against China that the Congress never specifically approved. It's dictatorial conduct in its purest form, raising taxes on the American people, tariffs. And for what? In every trade, John, as you know, both sides benefit. It's an axiom because they're giving up something they value less for something they value more. So the corollary to that is whenever any government interferes with that, with trade wars, tariffs, restrictions, they're interfering not only with our ability to raise our standard of living, but also with our liberty. We, we live here in the greatest free trade and open immigration zone in history in the US. Who worries about the trade deficit between Virginia and Florida? Nobody, because it's a ridiculous notion. What matters is that the president of this country and Congress need to liberate the American people. They're our greatest diplomats, trade groups, tourist groups to travel and trade anywhere they want, including Cuba, where we ought to be lifting that embargo immediately, along with all the evil and immoral sanctions that that President Trump and Congress have imposed upon innocent people in countries all around the world. Uh, John, uh, Joe mentioned the party platform, which I was surprised had a position on abortion, saying government should stay out of it, which I guess would make it fully legal. Uh, do I understand that correctly? And what do you think? Well, the platform says, yes, uh, people have good faith views on, on both sides of the issue and the government should be out of it. And I, I totally agree. While personally, I don't believe in abortion. You know, that's not my call for everybody in this country. It's not the president's call. It's not Congress's call. It's not even the state's call. And, and one the reason that I say that is, once again, if you make abortion illegal and government is in charge of punishing people, like I said earlier, I personally don't trust the government. To, to weed out whatever punishment would be dealt out to whether it's to women, whether it's to doctors, that the government would handle that in a way that's fair and just. We've seen their track record, and that's in every locale, whether it's local where I live in Grady County, the amount of un, uh, injustice that happens here uh, on the state level, on the federal level. So to entrust the government to do it at this time, I think, would would be horrible because they would probably mete out justice unequally, unfairly. So it, it's it's a, a decision that you know I wish women wouldn't make, but we also need to look at the other half of this. Get government out of uh, the ability for people to adopt. You know, maybe if there were more options, you know, for women with unwanted pregnancies, they'd have the ability 
to give that child up. Uh, so keep government out of it. Uh, Judge Gray, uh, that same theme, keeping government out. It's it's my guess that two thirds of libertarians are pro-choice, but but one third would say it is the role of government to prevent murder and abortion is murder. What do you say? John, of course, now you're touching on a really important and emotional issue. If it, it's really, surprisingly enough, a question of definition. If you define a human life begins at conception, then abortion is murder. I don't, I'm not sure when, I'm not that smart, but certainly not in, this, in the middle of the second trimester. I don't believe that it, a, a life has begun. So I believe that a woman should be able to choose during that period of time. But John is also right. Free choice also means that understanding that they have other choices like adoption, et cetera. But it is a state issue, uh, and, uh, but it, it's a difficult one. I am free choice as explained. By the way, may uh, I say that I wish you would ask me all of these questions because I appreciate your questions and your follow-ups. And we do have this information, all of it, on uh, grayshark2020.com for your questions. Uh, Furman, Joe Biden's platform says we can end gun violence and the Second Amendment is limited. You would reply by saying that I do not, I, that, well, I personally, of course, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, mind control uh, as opposed to gun control. I believe it's much more uh, effective. Um, and I, I don't believe that uh, we need such. Uh, I believe that there was once a, upon a time that uh, many, if most Americans, had, had a real familiarity with guns. It was a rite of passage. Uh, everyone in ROTC had them. People understood, understood uh, and respected firearms. Um, firearms restrictions on their face are indeed inherently racist and were historically used to keep former slaves and people of color from exercising their constitutional rights uh, after slavery ended. Uh, every law that is regulation enacted to restrict a citizen's ownership of firearms is an infringement of the Second Amendment. Restrictions on firearm purchasing, ownership, and usage uh, should just, they should not be. All citizens should be allowed to make the decision on their own what tools, what they can own, what their property is. A disarmed populace is a population subject to the whims of violent criminals in oppressive regimes. Uh, the world that we will build will not be predicated upon such inequality. I believe it's a, more of an issue of uh, mental health. Uh, if, if, if firearms are a problem, uh, yeah, we need to provide uh, mental health uh, for those who need it. And um, and maybe, uh, yeah, like that. Guns are fine. And, and while you're raising thumbs up, so we don't think something's growing out of your head, would you explain the symbolism of the animal behind you? Oh, well, well of course, that is the uh, Gadsden flag, a very famous flag in American history. Uh, traditionally, it has the uh, yellow background, and the uh, snake is a rattlesnake, and the, the uh, words are, do not tread on me. It was a very famous flag in the American uh, revolutionary history and it has been adopted by uh, many people who, who do believe that that is uh, true today as it was then. Uh, this particular flag does indeed have the rainbow stripes. Uh, it, it is uh, from the outright libertarians. Uh, I got it when I joined them and it is uh, certainly showing uh, solidarity with a uh, with gender and sexual minorities. And uh, the main animal of the libertarians is the porcupine with a Yes, it is, sir. Kind of argument that leave me alone. Uh, 
is it, it is an animal uh, that does not go on the offense. It usually uh, it only uses its uh, quills for defensive purposes. And uh, that Jacob, is what Jacob Hornberger, just returning to the big story of the day, Michigan's governor said, look, it worked what we did. We've got it under control. Um, exact quote, we needed to take a uniquely aggressive action to protect people. And look, our actions are working. How do you answer that? Well, this is the inner dictator and the inner tyrant that comes out in all these Democrats and Republicans with their lockdowns and their arrests. And then they try to justify their tyranny with with the results. I say liberty above all else, uh, that, that nothing matters more to me than living in a free society, John. This is why I entered this race. I want to live in a free society. And it, even if he were right, it's not worth it to me. I choose freedom over that because to me, freedom is everything. Uh, that if, if we if we abandon our freedom for the sake of this security or the pretense of security, what have we accomplished? Is life so dear that it must be purchased at any cost? I say no. My liberal neighbors would answer, what are you talking about, you libertarians? We're free to, to ask us to wear a mask in public, to not carry a gun in a certain place. These are minor intrusions. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they reflect what Johann Goethe said. None are more hopelessly enslaved than those who falsely believe they are free. That was the big stunning discovery I made when I discovered libertarianism at 28 years of, old, of age, that I wasn't free. And I decided right early on, I want to live in a free society before I die. It's, it's got to be the most exciting and exhilarating feeling. And so what we need to do is to go to our fellow Americans and say, hey, listen, you know, this indoctrination that makes you think you're a free person, uh-uh, it's false. Let us help how liberate you with the truth. How are you not free at age 28? Massive welfare state, coercive apparatus, massive national security state, drug war, immigration controls, economic regulations, socialist healthcare system, socialist retirement system, all of these have destroyed our freedom, John. That's the point I've been making in this campaign, that we need to go to the American people and say, here are the infringements on liberty. This is why we are not free. This is why we want to be free. Make that positive case for liberty, going back to the sound founding principles of this country and saying, join us in bringing America out of this morass in which Democrats and Republicans have, have plunged our nation. Join us to a new world, a world of liberty, peace, prosperity, health, and harmony. Joe, uh, you've been accused of supporting the welfare state. Trump said uh, when he signed the $2 trillion stimulus, this will deliver urgently needed relief to our nation's families and workers. You wouldn't have done that? You would have? Absolutely not, because the money has to come from somewhere. So rather than having people send the money to the government, have the government you know, go through the expensive middleman, as we say, and give it to certain companies or certain individuals, I say let the people keep their money, let them decide who should stay in business and who shouldn't. Uh, usually bureaucrats do a poor job of deciding where the money goes. The money usually goes to their friends and special interests and lobbies, whereas the people who will spend their money, uh, as Milton Friedman said, vote with your dollars, vote with your feet. They will spend money on the companies who give them the best quality that they want at the best price. And may I bring up something else here? 
Go for it. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. First of all, I got the impression that Jacob thought he was disagreeing with me on immigration. I believe we are identical on our immigration. Uh, when we talk about immigration, yes, we did have open borders until the 1920s, virtually open borders, which is when my grandparents came over uh, slightly before then. So I, 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 I agree with the party platform. And also, um, Jacob dodged your question about the environment. If you're still looking for an answer, I'll be happy to give it to you. Please give it to me. How are we going to keep the air clean when I have no incentive to not pollute my neighbor's air? Well, that's the problem is the government has even less incentive to keep the air clean. Once again, they give out special favors. If you look at a globe, then wherever there's bigger government, there's more pollution. Where there's less government, there's less pollution. And we need to hold people accountable. Again, I like to explain voters by giving examples that they can understand and that will persuade them. So, for instance, a lot of people looked at the Gulf oil spill and they said, well, see, we need, you know, greedy corporations. We need government to rein them in. But here's the thing. If it were a free market, that that company would have had to get insurance. And either the insurance company would have said, um, well, this is too dangerous. It's too likely you're going to give us have a spill. So we're not going to insure you. Or the insurance company would have made regular visits to make sure it was safe. But what had actually happened was the government placed a cap. On, on basically what they owed the public. And that's wrong. People need to be held accountable anytime they mess up the environment. And right now the government is just uh, letting people get off scot-free. Uh, let's just quickly do a couple lightning rounds on another okay. subject, uh, starting with you, Joe. Would you legalize marijuana? Legalize everything. Legalize everything. Can we move to the next person? You and who's ever you want to go to. John, legalize everything? All drugs. Every single one of Heroin, them. Heroin, okay. Everything. We don't need to uh, treat this as a criminal problem. As a matter of fact, we Judge, need... Judge Gray? Lightning round. Yes, indeed. As you know, I went on record in 1992, legalized these drugs. Every single one. This, this frightens people. Vermin? <laughs> Uh, Lighting up the libertarian joint, platform, I'm sorry. The Libertarian Party platform supports the right of the individual to uh, consume that which uh, the individual decides it want, uh, the individual wants to. And uh, we also recognize that the individual has uh, responsibilities. We, we don't like sloppy drunks, but it's your right to be one. We need to get these, these jobs. Jacob, I assume you agree with that. You talking to me? Yes, I said no, the only issue not only about legalizing drugs is the amount of uh, federal inmates in prison because of drug offenses. They need to be pardoned or have their sentences commuted. And, and that's something that the president can do unilaterally. Um, Judge Gray, let me turn to you on President Trump used the Defense Production Act to ensure that meat plants would stay open and we'd have a reliable supply of beef, pork, and poultry. Public seems to like that. No, the public likes 
poultry and the rest, of course, but the President of the United States has no ability to decide which business stays open, which commodity goes where. He, he simply doesn't have that authority, of course, unless people think he does, but he doesn't. In our administration, that would never be exercised. No. All right. And going to Joe again, because apparently you have spoken less. What? Education. <laughs> okay. If you don't want to take the time. More than education. Me. What's government's role in terms of education? Should there be a Department of Education? There should absolutely not be a Department of Education. It was in, uh, put in about 40 years ago, and education has not improved. In fact, if anything, it's gone down. And right now, if you look at all of the different fights we have, I'd, I'd like to point out <clears throat> that right now, voters pay attention to voting because they have to. And I look at voting libertarian as basically self-defense. So if you want to pick out, let's say, what kind of school your kid goes to, whether there's uniforms, whether they have to cut your cut your hair or have religion or say the Pledge of Allegiance and all that, you have to go vote for that. It would be much better to let parents, teachers and students decide which uh, schools to go to rather than having government give a one size fits all. One size fits all rarely fits anyone. What cabinet departments would you keep? Uh, well, I do want military. Uh, I mean, defense. <laughs> yes. State. I, I, I do want defense. You know, I, here's the thing. We need to become less involved in other people's affairs. So I don't want the job of going around and talking to other countries and making nice to them and asking them to not build nuclear weapons. And besides, people have already learned from us, hey, if, if uh, you're nice to us and you do what we say, sometimes we'll assassinate you and get out of office. So what I want is free open borders. Uh, if you and, and I, here's here's one of my favorite stories. In the early 80s, I had a Fiat Spitfire and I was parking my car at a grocery store and an older gentleman came up and he had this scowl on his face, which I couldn't understand because I didn't think I'd cut anybody off. But he came over, took a look at my car and said, why are you driving an Italian car? It turns out he was a World War II veteran. And I didn't want to get into a debate or an argument with him since he did serve our country. But the point is, Italy is not going to bomb us if we're buying their cars. Japan is not going to bomb us if we're buying Toyotas. So what we need to do is just trade peacefully with people and we'll see a lot of these other problems disappear. All right, let me be specific. We have a lot of government departments, state, defense, treasury, EPA, HUD, the agriculture department, education. I'd like to ask you all, which would you keep, if any? Energy, transportation, health and human services, homeland security, interior, labor, veterans affairs. So uh, Judge Gray, start with you. Well, first of all, you're not going to get rid of things unless we first show people why. So we would audit them, then we would start decreasing them, and then we would dismantle. Direct answer to your question, no, the Department of Education should be dismantled. The Department of, you know, the EPA, uh, we need information, so you prune it down a lot, but provide accurate information out there. Department of Commerce probably is not necessary. Department of Education, like I said, uh, I would keep state, certainly defense. Uh, the Treasury, 
shrink, but yes, but that's what you do. Veterans Administration, we need that, but we'd turn that into an insurance company and allow the veterans to get their health care and, and care their way. So what we will do, John, you know, you can't just answer this in, in one minute or whatever, but you will, you will audit them, you will show what's going on, you will expose the surplusage of government, reduce it, and then many of them eliminate. That's our plan. And John, which would you keep? I would say the State Department, because I want to have a, a people to be able to use diplomacy in talking to other uh, countries and a, a very minute Department of Defense. And the reason why it's going to be so minute is because we won't have any troops overseas. We're only going to protect the U.S. borders. That's it. So we, we don't need the huge military industrial complex that we have today. All the rest of the alphabet soup agencies, they're going to be defunded and eliminated, period. So if Russia invades the Ukraine, if Iran invades Israel, we do nothing. Right. That's, that's not our problem. Our problem is the United States of America, and we ought to start minding our own business for change. Instead of creating enemies by getting into alliances and fights that we have no business being in, let other people solve their problems. And maybe if we allow them to do that, and maybe if we don't back them up, maybe there would be, first of all, less problems in the world, but then we can concentrate concentrate on taking care of ourselves. Let's not worry about Iran and China and every and everybody else. Let's worry about the American people for a change and start bringing some freedom back here. And Vermin, similar question. I assume you'd pull our 30,000 soldiers out of Japan, Korea, 50,000 out of Germany. What if Russia attacked? Well, once again, the the, the platform of the LP clearly states, and if you're not familiar with the LP platform, people, please check out lp.org slash platform, uh, that we will maintain a sufficient military to protect the borders of the United States, and we shall maintain uh, enough of an intelligence presence uh, to do the same. Uh, so yes, we, we do uh, fully support uh, defending uh, America's borders, absolutely, in, in, in the military way, if it became necessary. So yes, thank you. Jacob, would you keep any cabinet departments? I would. I'd keep four. State, defense, uh, treasury, and justice. And let me say something. Let me clarify something. Contrary to what Joe said, I didn't dodge anything. Dodging is what she did when, when you asked her about those cabinet positions. It's also dodging was at the South Carolina Libertarian Party convention where she was asked whether sex work should be legalized. And she said, I refuse to answer that question. When you asked me about climate change, I started well, to answer let's the go question. Back. Should, should, should sex work be legalized? Absolutely. Sex between consenting adults is no business of the government. I would have had no reluctance to answer that question. And make no mistake about it. What's that's an adult? Question. I'm sorry? What's an adult? What is an adult? Anybody that's 18 or above. Uh, Joe, do you uh, say sex work should be kept illegal? Of course not. Like some people have said, prostitution is basically capitalism and sex. Which of those two are you against? I'm for both. So Jacob, she says it's not true. 
No, no, no. What I said was that her answer when she was asked at that convention was, I refuse to answer that question. I understand that that's her position now, but at the convention, she says, I'm not going to answer that question. That's dodging. All right. I'm going to dodge that argument by going around the group, starting with Vermin. If you're not the nominee, who do you wish were the nominee among this group? Well, naturally, I'm going to be very politic and say that I would support any candidate that the delegates select. Thank you. Thank Easy dodge. Thank you. And Judge Gray, I go to you next. And uh, you have time to say why, because now you have spoken the least of the group. That's true. No, I, John, I've not given it any thought. I will certainly su support the nominee. That's about as far as I'll go. I, I, I think I'm going to be the nominee. Wow, you don't want to pick favorites among this group? There's nobody you hate you want to exclude? All right. <laughs> maybe, maybe it should be John Stossel. I'll, I'll go with that one. <laughs> John, who would you pick? John Mond. Well, if, if we look at who we have here uh, in this debate, I'd have to say at this time, if I'm not the nominee, well, it would be Joe Jorgensen. You know, I love her record with the party, you know, her longtime commitment. And, you know, that's something I'm very proud of being involved in this party for a while and, and knowing it's not just uh, something that we do once every time an election comes around or every now and then. He's been committed for a long time, and I, I respect that. And, Joe, who would you pick if not you? I know how to be a good politician. I'll say John Mons. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I want to announce that there will be a libertarian vice presidential debate after this debate. And the party rules are a little different in that they have a totally separate vote for uh, vice president, although some of these people have a running mate, which I don't fully understand since you don't get to pick it. But uh, I guess your preference is considered. Um, we are near the end. I would like to give each of you your closing minute. So again, why don't we start with the person, the people who had the most votes going in. That starts with Jacob. Yeah, I think we've learned in this debate what happens when you marry principle with practicality, that you lose the moral high ground. I mean, anybody who supports Social Security and Medicare, I don't care how convoluted the plan is, you've got $50 trillion in unfunded liabilities on those two socialist programs. How do you attack Democrats and Republicans for their socialism? Bernie Sanders, how do you go after the Democrats on socialism if you have your favorite socialist programs? We have a window of opportunity here. That window of opportunity is to go for a free society in the middle of this crisis. People are reflecting, they're pondering. This is window of opportunity, life shows may never occur again. We have a chance to achieve our goal, the goal of this party in our 49 year history, a genuinely free society. I say, let's go for that. Let's go all in and try to achieve what we've been trying to achieve for 49 years a free society by waging a campaign of principle for the party of principle against these Democrats and Republicans. Joe? Our presidential candidate does need to be both principled and practical, and I'm the only candidate that offers both. I received 
and thank you so much, the Pragmatic Caucus endorsement by a large majority. And I received a B rating from the uh, Radical Caucus. And nobody here on stage has a higher rating than a B. I propose bold libertarian solutions that Americans can understand and that they can learn to love. As president, I will downsize the federal government so we can end deficit spending and end the income tax. Each American family will get back on average about $12,000 a year. I will make America one giant Switzerland, armed and neutral. Finally, we'll be at peace. I will work for a truly competitive market in healthcare, innovative, safe, high quality, low cost, and affordable. I will pardon and free prisoners convicted of so-called crimes without a um, without a victim. Please vote uh, for me for the presidential nomination and visit joj2020.com and join my campaign. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, my screen just went black, but I trust everybody else is still there and going. So, John, you're next. Like I said earlier, I'm a descendant of slaves and I don't want to go there. Not for myself, my family or you. That's my message to the American public. We have a, a lot of revisionist historians out there that like to believe if they lived in 1776, they would have been crossing the Delaware with George Washington. Or if they were living during slavery times, that uh, they would have been a runaway or they would have been an abolitionist. We can't talk. I mean, we can't live in the past. We have to deal with what we're dealing with right now today. And, and that's my question and, and what I want to advocate to the American public is the freedom message is special. That's what made this country exceptional. And you need somebody that's willing to bring a strong message to the American people. You have to ask yourself, who do you want to take on Biden and Trump? You need a fighter, You no holes barred, MMA rules. I'm going out punching, kicking and throwing elbows. That's the type of person you need to represent the freedom message. And that's what I'll do. I've done it in the past. I've been with this party long enough to know you can't come weak with our message. Go to my website. Well, like the liberty.com. Thank you. Like the libertarians, MMA actually does have some rules, some limited government. Judge Gray. Well, thank you. And again, John, I appreciate your follow-up questions. I think that history will record that this, your follow-up questions have basically secured the nomination for me. I wish all of these questions had asked of me. We are, have the answers on graysharp2020.com. Immigration, we have a system, two Ellis Islands that would actually pay for itself and, and privatize the whole thing. Help for the helpless, we can discuss it. But there are two issues, John, that have not been discussed at all, and we must. And one is, importantly, down-ballot candidates. We need some candidates who will be supported that down-ballot. Okay, I have donated personally. I have raised money for them traditionally all the way through. So is my, my uh, partner, Larry Sharp. And we have also given them counsel and endorsements. And the other one is ballot access. You know, there are three ways of doing this critically important for the Libertarian Party. And that is, you know, you can petition, you can get, you can talk and get votes, or you can get lawsuits. So these are things that we need to look at. Look, it's either all or nothing. I promise you that we will give you a campaign that you can be proud of. We will be able to get something. We will be able to prune back this 
government that they're all talking about. They will get nothing at the end of that. We're, we are libertarians yesterday. I'll be libertarian today. I'll be libertarian tomorrow. We will be here. We will help those down ballot candidates. And when you cut me, I bleed gold. Furman Supreme. Kids are naturally anti-authoritarian. Kids are naturally nonconformist. They love humor. They look around and ask themselves, why are things the way they are? Kids want to change the world. And that is what kids and libertarians and myself have in common. Now, with some weird twist of fate, I have become the voice of a new generation. And I've been using my platform to spread the word of mutual aid, volunteerism, liberty, charity, love, and empathy. Indeed, these are the only things getting us through this current crisis, as it has always been during any disaster. Our entire society has been disrupted. Let us not go back to the way it was. Let us not let ourselves go back to the way we were. Let us heal. Let us work together. Let us look to the future. Let us make a better world now together. We do not have to go back to the old world. Disruption leads to innovation and change. Innovate now. Change now. Disrupt now. Let us no longer carry the things that do not serve us while we have this unprecedented moment in time. You are the power. Thank you. Thank you all, Libertarian presidential candidates. One of you will be selected Saturday to be the party's candidate. Eager to see who that is. Uh, following this is the vice presidential debate, which will be streamed live on the Libertarian Party's Facebook and YouTube channels. Thank you all and good night. Thank you, John. Thank you, John. Thank you, John.